Hi everyone, Melody Moore here with The Daily Emerald bringing you the third episode of our new monthly podcast series that gets you caught up on some of our top stories of the month. On September 1st, The Emerald reported that Oregon Governor Kate Brown extended the state of emergency until November 3rd, 2020 to continue addressing COVID-19 concerns. The state of emergency is the legal basis for Brown's executive orders and the Oregon Health Authority's health and safety guidelines. Extending the state of emergency allows orders like statewide restrictions on businesses to remain in effect. On September 2nd, the Emerald reported that after a long history of demand from students and community members, the University of Oregon will be introducing a Black Studies minor, beginning in fall term. The only required course in the minor is an introductory course with a focus on either African American Studies or the African Diaspora, according to the website. The program's acting director, Avinash Tawari, said calls for a Black Studies program at UO started in the 1960s. It was then revisited in 2015 with the list of demands from the Black Student Task Force. One of those demands, Tawari says, was a mandatory ethnic studies course for all students at UO. On September 3rd, the Emerald reported that the University of Oregon hosted a virtual town hall for students and family to provide information and questions on UO's response to COVID-19. The university will institute several safety protocols, including reduced density, enhanced cleaning, and required mask wearing, UO President Michael Schill says. UO will test all students living on campus for COVID-19 before they move into their residence halls. They will receive their test results within 24 hours, according to Vice President for Student Services, Roger Thompson. Students who test negative may move into their residence halls, while students who test positive for the coronavirus will isolate themselves in a separate residence hall dedicated to infected students. Although UO does not have the ability to test all students living off campus, they are encouraged to call the UO Health Center to determine the best course of action when they feel sick, says Executive Director of University Health Services Deborah Beck. Upon arrival, the university will provide students with a welcome kit containing two UO face masks, hand sanitizer, a brochure of resources, and a thermometer, Associate Vice President for Campus Services Cassie Fisher says. If a UO community member is not following health guidelines, people can report the individual through the Dean of Students website. Students who refuse to wear a mask or follow other safety guidelines may face severe consequences, says Associate Vice President and Dean of Students Chris Winter. Approximately 15 to 20 percent of classes will have an in-person component, Provost Patrick Phillips said. Schill says that even as we shift to a predominantly remote experience, the cost of providing a University of Oregon education hasn't changed, and neither has the value of a UO degree. Schill also says that, in fact, we end up with increased expenses associated with providing the technological infrastructure for remote and online education, retrofitting our classrooms, producing online content, as well as investments that we're making in testing, healthcare, risk reduction, strategies and on-campus programs. Assistant Vice Provost for Advising Kimberly Johnson says students will have access to both remote and in-person tutoring services as well as one-on-one advising appointments. 
Schill says that we continue to work hard to preserve as many aspects of in-person experiences and interactions as possible while at the same time safeguarding your health. Schill also says that we are not going to let COVID-19 take away from your experience of becoming a duck. On September 7th, the Emerald reported that campus political groups, including the UO College Democrats and the UO Young Democratic Socialists of America, voiced their support for the United States Post Office and the support it will provide for the upcoming 2020 election. Due to the coronavirus, more Americans than ever before will be using mail-in voting. In the midst of budget cuts and the removal of post office boxes in Eugene, UO College Democrats President Tristan Waits says interference with the post office will hurt both Democrats and Republicans. On September 8th, the Emerald reported that a graduate employee filed a specific form of grievance against the University of Oregon because of unsafe working conditions. A grievance is an allegation of a contract violation and comes with a formal hearing process. The union sent the grievance directly to UO President Michael Schill, as well as other UO administration staff. The grievance states that despite the university's COVID-19 precautions, there have been repeated mask and social distancing violations. The grievance also states that there is a lack of workplace health and safety training for graduate employees. On September 9th, the Emerald reported that typically academic residential communities, or ARCs, require students to live in the same residence halls. This year, though, the first-year community building program will allow students to join remotely. UO is offering 12 different ARCs on campus. Most are having to modify their plans, including canceling camping trips and regular meeting times. On September 10th, the Emerald reported that the coronavirus pandemic caused its fair share of challenges for college students as campuses closed in the spring and universities continued to shift online for the fall. This is especially true for international students who have encountered numerous obstacles, such as border lockdowns, travel restrictions, and the threat of deportation. Around 500 international students at UO are currently outside the United States, Dennis Galvin, the dean and vice provost for the Division of Global Engagement, said. Travel restrictions and border lockdowns are still in place due to the ongoing coronavirus pandemic. For additional information, please visit dailyemerald.com. On September 14th, the Emerald reported that for the first time in University of Oregon history, UO's fraternity and sorority life will be done remotely, according to a statement released on September 4th. UO spokesperson Saul Hubbard said in a statement that all of our housed chapters are developing their own comprehensive plans to reopen safely. All recruitment for fall term will be done virtually and all FSL programs are being redesigned to be online. For some, Greek life has been a useful opportunity to connect, build friendships, and get involved. However, with COVID-19 restrictions, students are worried they won't obtain the same experience. Kenna Pendergraft, a second-year student, will be going through recruitment again. She pointed out how the cost of Greek life and the recruitment fee may not be worth the price if she cannot experience the activities that come along with it. Gabriel Leonard, a third-year student and a Live Out Recruitment Chair Committee member for Sigma Chi Fraternity, who will be on the other end of recruitment, believes students who decide to go through recruitment will get the opportunity to see each other around campus while social distancing. 
On September 15th, The Emerald reported that U.S. President Donald Trump approved a presidential disaster declaration for Oregon's ongoing wildfires at the request of Governor Kate Brown. Brown requested the major disaster declaration Monday after the White House approved a federal emergency declaration on September 10th. The September 10th Federal Emergency Declaration authorized the Department of Homeland Security and Federal Emergency Management Agency to coordinate all disaster relief efforts to alleviate suffering and hardship on local communities, according to a White House release. On September 18th, the Emerald reported that University of Oregon students prepare for another term online after the university announced it will offer almost entirely remote instruction for fall term on August 26th. While the school will continue to offer some in-person studio classes and labs, the majority of classes have moved online. The shift to online instruction has also left many students concerned about issues like tuition costs. UO's recent increase in tuition has roused frustration among students who question whether they should be paying the same price for online classes. Incidentally, the university has announced an optional new tuition insurance plan. By partnering with insurance company GradGuard, UO is offering students the choice to opt for a plan that guarantees that they will be reimbursed for tuition, room and board, and other fees if they withdraw from the term because of certain medical reasons such as illness, accidents, or issues related to mental health. However, those who withdraw due to the fear of COVID-19 exposure will not be refunded under this plan. Students may purchase a plan for fall term until September 28th. On September 21st, the Emerald reported that a University of Oregon hiring committee selected Nicole Kamisiong as Associate Vice President, Chief Civil Rights Officer, and Title IX Coordinator. The committee included faculty, staff, and students, graduate and undergraduate, as well as representatives from various unions. Kamisiong first came to UO as an undergrad in 1993, and she has worked as assistant dean at UO's law school since 2009. Kamisiong has also served as a deputy Title IX coordinator and appeals officer. In those positions, she worked closely with the Office of Investigations and Civil Rights Compliance. Soon, she'll be leading it when she assumes her new role on October 1st. On September 22nd, the Emerald reported that as many as 28 fires have burned in Oregon since Monday, September 7th. Alan Dickman, an associate biology professor at UO who studies forest ecology, says that wildfires are not uncommon in Oregon, but this is the first time in decades that the state has seen so many burn through with such devastating effects. He attributes the fires to low humidity, a hot, dry summer, and extreme east winds. On September 22nd, the Emerald reported that as students continue to experience financial insecurity during the COVID-19 pandemic, new University of Oregon programs and federal funding are available to help. The University of Oregon will launch a financial wellness center in October. On September 14th, the federal government released the Fall Emergency Cares Act grant application. David Gerstenfeld, the Oregon Employment Department Acting Director, held a live media briefing on September 16th and discussed how the OED is assisting those impacted by the wildfires and additional benefits and extension programs. Gilbert Rogers, the Assistant Director of Financial Wellness at UO, will help launch the Financial Wellness Center and will educate students on how to be responsible with money. 
Its mission is to financially empower students by providing training on how to make strong financial decisions while in school and post-graduation, says Rogers. A group of financial coaches will be available to support students with budgeting, credit building, money management, and student loans via Zoom. Jim Brooks, the Associate Vice President and Director of Financial Aid, said, UO has always had a financial literacy program, but there was no one available full-time to execute it. This year, UO received a gift from a donor who funded the Financial Wellness Center. For the first time, UO will prioritize a resource for financial wellness and will fund a staff, including Rogers, to deliver this program full-time. Brooks says there will be more information available in the next month. David Gerstenfeld, the Oregon Employment Department Acting Director, held a live media briefing on Wednesday, September 16th, and discussed the Low Wages Assistance Program and the additional $300 benefits that would be delivered to Oregonians at the end of September. Gerstenfeld also covered how the Oregon Employment Department is going through claims by location to identify those who have been heavily impacted by the wildfires. The Oregon Employment Department is on track for delivering lost wages assistance funds by late September for an additional $300 in unemployment benefits, he said, and there will be extension programs that students can use on the department's website. On Monday, September 14th, the Office of Student Financial Aid and Scholarships released the Fall Emergency CARES Act grant, which is funded by the Department of Education. Brooks said the UO received about $16 million from the CARES Act, and $8 million of it was for students' emergency funding. The deadline for the Fall Emergency CARES Act grant is December 11, 2020. Brooks also recommended that students apply for the Students in Crisis Fund, which has about $250,000 of funding left. Applying for these specific resources does not affect financial aid. On September 24th, the Emerald reported that on Wednesday, September 23rd, local anti-racist protests continued after a postponed protest and a two-week hiatus caused by the holiday farm fires choking smoke that blanketed the skies of both Eugene and Springfield. At 6 p.m., the leaders of this protest, none of the known local activist groups took ownership, stood in solidarity with other protests nationwide demanding justice for Breonna Taylor. They mobilized under the heavy rain in the Whitaker neighborhood and discussed their action for the evening. An hour later, about 75 people blocked traffic in front of the Wayne Morse Federal Courthouse for about 20 minutes before marching into downtown. At its peak, around 170 people marched as the crowd size fluctuated throughout the night. Following a brief stop at the Lane County Jail, the march returned to the courthouse where it started. Once the march arrived back at the federal courthouse, those who led the march up to that point spoke to protesters about ongoing activism efforts and then encouraged them to go home safely. A portion of the group, not clad in black protest gear known as Black Bloc, covering yourself head to toe in black clothing, began to leave while many lingered in front of the courthouse as a new group of activists, including members of BIPOC Liberation Collective, took over the megaphone. The new group of activists called for the remaining protesters to further organize for the end of police brutality, like in their workplaces, to improve the success of the Black Lives Matter movement.
declaring the approximately 90-minute march, including several intersection takeovers that preceded their speeches as not sufficient enough for disruption, leaders called for protesters to take to the streets again. With the majority of the bike and car safety crew gone, the group of around 50, mostly dressed in black block, formed a line in front, linked arms, and began marching back through downtown Eugene. The protest wove through university neighborhoods on a roundabout route toward the University of Oregon campus while chanting and calling for people watching to join the march. Some protesters began dragging trash cans, dumpsters, and at least one mattress into the street behind the group, blocking traffic as they made their way toward campus up Hilliard Street. The group continued to the UO campus while some protesters graffitied traffic signs and construction plywood along the way. Once on campus, the march continued on 13th Street towards the EMU. As they passed Johnson Hall, several protesters spray-painted the building's pillars. Shortly after the building was graffitied, Eugene police began following the group at a distance, lights flashing with at least nine cruisers and a prisoner transport van. Several counter-protesters also began following the group, and a video posted to Facebook shows at least one attacking Trey Stewart, a live streamer from Boop Troop Eugene, knocking his phone from his hand. The protesters briefly debated over what to do before quickly disbanding in different directions. According to EPD, after the protesters separated, police arrested two protesters for disorderly conduct and interfering with a police officer. Just before 10 p.m., the group wound back through campus the way they came and dispersed. On September 24th, the Emerald reported that the UO reported 39 new cases of COVID-19 since Monday, September 21st. This includes three incoming students who were tested prior to moving into dorms and are now recovering in isolation, according to the UO-dedicated COVID-19 site. The university and county are currently at a high alert level, meaning increased cases including spread in the community available but stressed capacity in healthcare facilities, according to the UO site. At this alert level, the county and UO recommend that most contact remain limited and daily activities are modified to reduce personal exposure. Please visit coronavirus.uoregon.edu for more information. On September 29th, the Emerald reported that a former University of Oregon custodian faces felony charges in Lane County Circuit Court for allegations that he sexually abused a child over an eight-year period, court filings showed. UO spokesperson Saul Hubbard said that Dale Wagoner was separated from employment on September 10th. While we generally do not comment on personnel issues, we can say that the UO takes these matters seriously and follows the appropriate processes with respect to employment actions. Wagoner is scheduled to appear for a trial before a 12-person jury on October 30th. For more information, please visit dailyemerald.com. That's it for this episode. Please visit our website to stay up to date with our latest news, videos, and podcasts, and follow us on social media at Daily Emerald to stay connected. Thank you for listening. I'm Melody Moore, and now you're caught up for the month of September with the Daily Emerald.